Hey there, welcome to the Happy Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Norrie. We like to talk health and well-being every Monday and Thursday, every now and then we conduct interviews with experts whom I think might be of interest to you on your path towards learning more about yourself and the world around you. We are fast approaching 200 episodes, which really blows my mind, as does the fact that we continue to grow. Thanks to you, we have listeners in over 115 countries now. Check us out on YouTube, on TikTok, Instagram, where daily posts will cleanse. I promise they will cleanse your timelines with happy habit goodness. I suppose I want to take this opportunity to take stock over the last 192 episodes, we have explored lots and lots of what I like to call happy habits, routines or activities that might support us en route to becoming a better version of ourselves. We have looked at the significance, for example, of the quality of our sleep. Seeking good quality sleep is something that we want to do, of how persistent late nights and early mornings affect our ability to function on the most basic of levels. It denies us our mental sharpness, hastening cognitive decline, impacting negatively on our short-term and long-term memory and contributes to the development of Alzheimer's disease. We explore the importance of keeping a journal so that we may place our thoughts, the thoughts that occupy our minds, down on a page. Yes, the very act of doing so, giving us a sense of catharsis, which really acts as our own in-house therapist. We can give ourselves control over and distance from our thoughts, the thoughts that bedevil us, that enslave us, and all from merely taking a pen and putting it on a piece of paper in front of us. We examined the power of meditation and how a simple act of focusing on our breath can help us gain control over our wild minds. We now know that our brains are, are meant to think thoughts. They do so all the time. But we don't have to become puppets or controlled by our thoughts, our wild imaginations, and our inaccurate assessments of ourselves and of our world. We can, through meditation, acknowledge that our thoughts exist, but we don't have to imbue them with the belief and with the emotion that we normally do. And when we understand that we control these thoughts, we can control our emotions and our behaviours that stem from our emotions and our thoughts. Meditation facilitates the space we need to gain agency over those thoughts and those emotions. It's such a simple habit to practice and in fact its beauty is in its simplicity. But don't let that deceive you. It can be immensely powerful if, if we allow it to be. Which leads me to a subject that has crept up again and again over this podcast over the last couple of years. And that is one of change. I love the author Ryan Holiday's take on change. Ryan Holiday, if you've not heard of him, is the man behind the Daily Stoic channel on YouTube. He's written, I think, something like 12 books on the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. And he ascribes to the Stoic belief that all life is change. 
He says that the fact that you weren't here before you were born and then when you were born you were here is proof that you were born from change itself. So change is inevitable. And this is something that I have to say that at various points of my own life I have resisted. And I think many of us have been guilty of resisting it too. But change is necessary for growth. And if we aren't changing, we are not progressing. And we're all concerned with change and progress on this podcast. Now, some might say that they are perfectly comfortable not changing. And what's wrong with that? Well, that is to deny our nature. Remember, we are here today as a species because of change over millions and millions of years. Change in this context is called evolution. So we evolved to thrive off change. Human beings have become so good with dealing with change that we are probably the most adaptable species ever to exist. So when we withdraw from change, we rob ourselves of the very opportunity to adapt to new circumstances and new conditions. Change makes us uncomfortable initially, yes, like it's uncomfortable for the caterpillar in the chrysalis as it undergoes its transformation into a butterfly. But if that butterfly never embraces that opportunity to change, it never gets to fly through the air as a butterfly. We have to endure discomfort if we are going to open ourselves up to the opportunity that comes with change. There are no shortcuts to this process. As Ryan Holiday says in his book, The Obstacle is the Way, the thing that stands in our path must be conquered if we are to get to the other side. We have no choice but to go through it. So the the thing that stands in our way, the obstacle, becomes the way. We have to challenge ourselves. We have to move out of our state of comfort of our state of familiar, we must disrupt our usual patterns and habits if we are to move to the next level. If our ancestors, for example, hadn't taken a leap of faith and attempted to descend out of the trees and walk on two legs, who knows what course history might have taken? We certainly wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Which brings me to another subject we have explored in these episodes over the last couple of years, a topic that facilitates our embracing of change, our embracing discomfort, and that is our relationship with fear. As Susan Jeffers says in her book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, when we are afraid, it's simply us saying we don't have the faith that we will cope with whatever life throws our way. So say you're in a job you hate, you want to leave that job, but you are afraid to. What you're saying is you don't think you will cope with what happens if you leave this job. On the other side of this job is the unknown and you fear that you won't cope with what is on the other side of the the job, the unknown. But if you really stop for a second and think about it, why wouldn't you cope with life after packing in a job you hate? What's the worst that can happen? It's unlikely that your next job will be as bad as the one you're currently enduring. And even if it was, you're free to leave that job at any point. Indeed, your next job could actually be the perfect fit for you. But you'll never know if you stay in this current job that you hate. 
And if the job is the perfect fit, you'll cope just fine. You will soar, in fact. You will thrive. So you can see that you will cope regardless of what happens if you leave this current job that you don't like. So what is there to be afraid of? We have all a tendency to allow our imaginations run away from us. We see dangers where there are none. But our imaginations are so powerful, they convince us that lies are truth all of the time. We then imbue these lies with emotion and they become ever more powerful and we become fixed to the spot of indecision. We deny ourselves opportunities to grow, to develop, to increase, to improve, to seek new and better opportunities and experiences and all because we believe the stories or should I say the lies that we tell ourselves. So have faith that regardless of what decision you make, you can't really make the wrong one. Because no matter the outcome, you are learning something valuable about yourself and you can and will cope because you can and will adapt to the changing circumstances you find yourself in. I say this with confidence because it is built into your DNA. You were made to change. You were made to be adaptable. That's how you came about in the first place, through change and through adaptation. Again and again, I have spoken here about the power of our own thoughts. Time and time again, practically every self-help or improvement book I have read has come back to the same theme of internal dialogue. Different authors call this internal dialogue or voice different names, be it inner critic or chatterbox or or, our critical mind. Ultimately, regardless of the name we call it, its function is to protect us. However, in trying to help us and protect us, it actually gets in our way. It suffocates us and it suffocates our growth. But we can't stop this from happening by challenging it by not believing what it tells us. So say our inner chatter, our inner dialogue says we shouldn't go for that promotion because we wouldn't be able to manage the workload. Now, more often than not, we will fall into the trap of taking our inner mind's advice as read and believe it as fact. But when we stand back, when we analyse the content of our thoughts, in this instance, we can disprove it. We look for the proof to the contrary. Our workload is already great and we cope just fine. We manage the stresses and strains of the job we currently hold with ease. In fact, our current role is holding back our development. We have all the skills and more to take on the challenge of a promotion. And this isn't just our belief, but the belief of our colleagues and superiors. So when we consciously challenge our thoughts, we negate the negative or pessimistic theme. We seek out confirmation of the positive while cancelling out that negative. The more often we do this, the more often our brains seek out further similar opportunities. Very quickly, our brains become biased towards the positive. But we can only harness this innate ability to transform in our favour if we are aware of or mindful of our thoughts in the first place. And this is where meditation is again so significant. When we are aware that we are constantly thinking thoughts, when we stand back and examine our thoughts objectively, instead of injecting them with life and with emotion, we can then make decisions based on evidence and not just feelings. 
the use of evidence when it comes to our thoughts is actually the basis of cognitive behavioural therapy, which is one of the most effective forms of therapy used today. Elsewhere in these episodes, we have looked at the value of constantly educating ourselves through podcasts, articles and books, be they traditional books, e-books or audiobooks. We must continually expand our horizons if we are to grow in ourselves, but also, as Johann Harry found in his book, Stolen Focus, which I spoke about a few weeks ago, reading actually makes us more compassionate as people, because as our worldview expands, we learn to see things from other people's perspectives, and not just our own. The greatest minds in history did this innately. They were able to step outside of themselves and imagine a context from another angle. This simple act alone led to some of the greatest discoveries, revelations and inventions in human history. Now, I've read about 80 books over the last couple of years, many of which I've spoken about on this podcast series. And from each one, I have taken some advice, which I apply to how I live my own life daily. I've discussed books that promote rising early and adopting an early morning schedule. I've encountered books that help us maximise our productivity. Books that promote the practice of decluttering our lives, not just physically, but also digitally. I've read books on self-compassion. The key message of which is we have to have a loving relationship with ourselves because our relationship with the person in the mirror is the most important one we will ever have. Indeed, our relationship with others and with life itself cannot be fruitful until we are at ease in our own skin. We've discussed the value of patience, anger, resilience, the science of happiness, sleep hygiene, how we can move beyond alcohol to a place of healing, yoga for children, the value of cold showers, you name it, we have explored it. So if you are new to this podcast, or even if you aren't, please feel free to dive into some of the episodes in the archive. As I mentioned, there are 192, 193 episodes at this stage. You are bound to find something of interest to you. And as I say at the end of every podcast, but genuinely, I mean it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Happy Habit Podcast. Until next time, stay happy. Stay happy.